Have you ever heard someone say, don't be rich? Has anyone ever given you this advice? No matter what you do in this life, just make sure that you don't make a lot of money. You don't want to be rich. It's preposterous, right? I mean, especially as we think about what we're facing right now. I mean, when you are rich, when you have resources, you are able to to be a blessing. You're able to make a difference in people's lives. So who would ever say, don't be rich? Well, interestingly, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 23, Jesus says these words, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Is Jesus saying, don't be rich? Well, to get a, an understanding of what Jesus is saying, we have to back up a few verses to the beginning of a conversation that Jesus has with a rich young man. So in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 19, the conversation begins this way. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, this was a very common understanding that this man had, and and many people do, is that if we do enough good stuff, we'll be able to earn our way to heaven. That's actually not what Christianity says, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But this is his big question to Jesus. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replies, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And that word life in the Greek is the word zoe. And zoe is this idea of complete fullness of life. It is it is the abundant life. And it's not just a future state. It's not just something that we will have in heaven. It's actually life in the here and now. It's, it's complete fulfillment, complete satisfaction. We are totally satisfied with the life that we have. And so Jesus says, if you want that, if you want Zoe, if you want that fullness of life, keep the commandments. What Jesus is saying there is if you really want to live life to its complete, to its fullest, then you simply do what God says. If there truly is a God who exists, who made us, who loves us, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, then doing what God says is going to lead us to our best life. So that's what Jesus says. Just, Just keep the commandments. Do what God says. To which the rich young man replies, which ones? So Jesus says, he starts listing out commandments. He says, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And with those five words, what do I still lack? We see that there's something missing in this rich young man's life. Despite his best efforts to do all the right things, something is lacking in his life. And maybe you can relate. He's looking for Zoe, life in all its fullness, and he hasn't found it. So Jesus says these words. He replies back, if you want to be perfect. Now, perfection, what Jesus is talking about there is complete 
obedience to the will of God. That's what spiritual perfection looks like. We're completely submitted and we're in complete obedience to the will of God. That's perfection. And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, here's what you do. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Now, this is really interesting, you guys, because usually Jesus just simply says to people, come follow me. He he doesn't have any prerequisite that's there. He just says, come on, come and follow me and the rest will figure itself out. But here, what he says to this rich young man is, no, no, no. First, what you need to do before you follow me is you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Why does Jesus say that? Well, Jesus says that because he knows that there's something in the way of this man's relationship with God, and it is his money. Verse 22 says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And in that moment, we see what matters most to this rich young man. It's his wealth. And then we come back to verse 23, this controversial verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then just in case we weren't paying attention, Jesus repeats himself. He doubles down. He says, again, I tell you, everybody listen, everybody pay attention. That's what Jesus is saying. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, think about this for a minute. A camel is six feet tall to the shoulder, and it's 10 feet long. A typical camel weighs between 1,000 and 2,000 pounds. And Jesus says it's easier for that huge animal to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, basically, it seems like what Jesus is saying is, whatever you do, don't be rich. It's like Jesus is trying to convey to us that our riches are literally standing between us and God. And we can almost take away this idea that, that our, our riches are evil, that, that they're the thing that, that hold us back in this life. Is that what Jesus is saying there? What does Jesus mean when he says that it's hard or it's impossible for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God? Well, we need to understand what is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is the spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. The kingdom of God is the spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. So the reason that it's so hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God is when money takes the place of God as the ultimate authority in our life. Now, last week I introduced you to the ugliest doll that I own. This is my money stress doll. And, you know, it certainly is ugly when our money gets into a place in our lives where it is telling us what to do instead of us telling our money what to do. Today, I want to introduce you to the most powerful doll 
that I own. This is my Jesus doll. And as much as I love this doll, um, I was really hoping that Pastor John would, would lend me his Jesus doll. He's got a Jesus doll that is so cool, man. This, this doll is big. It is, it's, man, Jesus is jacked up. He, he talks to you. And so I, I reached out to him. I was like, John, can I, can I borrow your Jesus doll? You guys, I had no idea how attached John was to his Jesus doll. So we're going to have to just go with this slightly less cool version of of Jesus, but I want to help you understand um, what Jesus is saying here. So when we are part of the kingdom of God, Jesus is in a place of authority in our lives. We are willingly submitted to Jesus. Whatever Jesus says to do, that's what we're doing. We're in complete alignment with the will of Jesus Christ. So the reason it's hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God is because you see, as we accumulate wealth and as it starts to become more of a focus for us, right? There's more to manage. There's more to think about. As we accumulate wealth, it starts to have a place of more and more prominence and importance in our lives. And while money is not inherently bad, it's not, it's not evil, right? I mean, it, it allows us to do a lot of things. It allows us to, to enjoy life. And it gives us a sense of, of security. It gives us a sense of peace and control. Um, and it gives us a great influence in what we can do. And, and those are good things. But, but here's the reality. When money starts to creep into a place of authority over us, when money starts to tell us what to do, this is a major problem because as Jesus said, and we talked about this last week, you cannot serve both God and money. There's only room at the top for one. It's either going to be God or it's going to be money, but it can't be both. What Jesus is encouraging us is to make sure that he is at the place of proper authority in our lives. So Jesus isn't so much saying, don't be rich as he's saying, Don't give money that authority over your life. And when Jesus is talking to this rich young man, what he knows is that 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 money in the rich young man's life, it has authority over him. It is literally holding him back from what God wants to do in his life. And Jesus knows that the only way that this man is going to break free from the grip that money has over him is by selling what he has and giving it away. Now, maybe you can relate. Maybe you realize, yeah, money has too much of a hold on me. Uh, I don't like that feeling that money is telling me what to do. Well, if that's you today, Jesus is inviting you to reorder your priorities, to get free from the grip that money has on you. And we talked about this last week, but it's basically this order of priority. Give first, save second, and live on the rest. Give first, save second, and live on the rest. So before any money comes in, before the first of the month, Jesus invites you to decide in advance what matters most. What am I going to give away? And what am I going to save for what matters most? To predetermine those things and automate what's important. Make sure you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. It just happens. Money loses its grip. And then you live off the rest. Now, you might say, you know, Derek, 
That, that sounds great, but, but right now I am just so overwhelmed. I mean, I'm just trying to make sure that, that I'm paying bills and I'm keeping the lights on. I mean, with all that we're going through with, with COVID-19, it's just such a crazy time. I totally get it. And if, if it's not so simple for you, if it's complicated, or maybe you're just someone who just hates budgeting and, and finances don't come naturally to you then I want to offer a resource to you. It's called Financial Peace University. And it's a, it's a nine-week online course that will walk you through how you break free from the grip that money has over you. You can sign up at trygrace.org slash groups. We have a group that's going right now. They're almost done. And uh, I want to read you an email I got from Maria, who's, who's part of this current group. Uh, Maria, she knew that um, she had to do something about the, the, her money issues. And this is what she writes. Although I saw the writing on the wall, I couldn't take that final step physically or mentally to do anything about it. Maybe you can relate to Maria. But she says, by, getting, by putting me in the right frame of mind and even, yes, getting me a little bit excited about the program. <laughs> Who gets excited about a finance course, right? Financial Peace University gave me the push I needed to get serious about getting out of debt. After the third week of the program, I cut up all of my credit cards into a billion little pieces. Now that is awesome. So the reality is we cannot allow money to have the authority over our lives and tell us what to do. That is for Jesus to do. So um, after his disciples heard Jesus say these shocking statements that it's, it's hard, it's impossible for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God, it says they were greatly astonished and they asked, who then can be saved? You see, to them, if a rich person couldn't be saved, everyone was doomed. There was no hope for anybody because to a first century Jewish person, If you were rich, that meant that God was blessing you. That meant that you were doing everything you were supposed to be doing. You were living life right. And if you were poor, if you were sick, if if bad things were happening to you in your life, that meant that God was cursing you for all that you had done in your life. And this was just a, a totally false theology that Jesus was dispelling here. And in fact, this is a false theology that continues to this day. I mean, if, if you've heard in the news, there, there's some pastors that were coming out saying that this group of people and what's happening to them, it's a result of, of, of what they're doing or the sin in their life. Jesus is saying, you couldn't be more wrong. So the reality is, Jesus replies, he says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And with those words, what Jesus is communicating to us is something far deeper than our relationship with our money. He's communicating to us our relationship with the God who loves us and an incredible lesson about God's amazing grace. So as this story begins, this rich young man comes to Jesus, remember? And he asks him this question. He says, what must I do to get eternal life? What must I do? And Jesus says here, 
With man, this is impossible. There's nothing that you can do. Think about it. If, if there is a God who is perfect, who is, who is all powerful, all knowing, all loving, right? He is perfect in every way. There's nothing that we can do to ever earn our way to God. We can never be on the level of a perfect loving God. We can't. With man, Jesus is saying, this is impossible. It's impossible for us to do that. But Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done for us. And what has God done? God has come to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He has taken on human flesh and lived a life that none of us could live. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he willingly laid down his life. He swallowed up sin and death and evil on a cross to, to, to make us righteous in the eyes of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about what we do. With man, this is impossible. It's about what God has done for us. With God, all things are possible. Now, today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day where we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, kings would ride into great cities in Jesus' day, and they'd ride on powerful horses as a demonstration of their authority. Jesus, in his brilliance, chose to ride in on a donkey as a sign of both his authority, but also his humility, that he was coming to lay down his life for you and for me and for everyone in this world. Now, someone who's willing to die for you, they are someone who is worthy of some authority in your life, wouldn't you say? Someone who's willing to, to, to literally give their life for you. Think about this. There is someone who's already laid their life down for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He willingly gave his life for you and for me. He is worthy of our authority. He deserves for us to put him in the proper place of authority in our lives and to willingly submit ourselves to him. And I got to tell you, if, if right now, you are longing for that Zoe. Maybe, maybe you, can, you can relate to that rich young man. Something is lacking in your life. Something's missing. You are longing for that abundant life, that fullness of life, that complete fulfillment and satisfaction. I'm telling you, it is found in Jesus Christ. When we willingly submit to his authority in our lives, we find it. And it is something that nothing, no one can take away from us. Not COVID-19, not anyone, not anything. And so if you are longing for that, I just encourage you right now, there's a button at the bottom of your screen that says, I commit my life to Jesus. Go ahead right now, take that step, commit your life to Jesus. Give him ultimate authority in your life. There is no greater decision that you will ever make in your life. I promise you that. That is how you find Zoe, the fullness of life, the abundant life that we all ultimately long for. And if you just took that step right now, um, one of our pastors online would love to pray with you and just celebrate this step that you've taken. So we're going to conclude our service by celebrating communion. 
Now, communion was, was Jesus sitting down and having a common meal with his disciples. So in the last meal that he had before he laid down his life on a cross, Jesus took common elements. He took bread and he took wine and he, he basically used those common elements to explain his great love for, for them and for us. So I want to encourage you, if you don't already have these, to go find something in your house to eat and to drink. And, um, and while you're doing that, um, I want to show you guys a video. Now, this video is powerful. I want to encourage you to, to take in these words of Jesus. Just take a few minutes to just sit and, and understand the depth of what Jesus has done for you and what this means. And while you're doing that, I, I want to encourage you as that video is playing to ask yourself this question. Who or what has authority in your life? Who or what has authority in your life? life. Once the video has finished, I'll lead us in taking communion together. When Jesus was celebrating that last meal with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. Let's eat together. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. Take and drink. Let's drink together. Let me pray for us. God, we know that life is best when we give you ultimate authority. Uh, Lord, please don't let money or what's happening with COVID-19 or anything else stand in the way of us giving you ultimate authority. Lord, we long for that zoe, that fullness, that abundance of life. So please, Lord, let us make you our authority in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.